0: You're not supposed to go to church and be betrayed by those who are entrusted to share a message of hope. This isn't the way it's supposed to be. Hola, and welcome to Mass Faith. I'm Erika Reynoso, a church kid and pastor's kid raised in Iglesia Pentecostal, hoping to share encouragement and compassion to struggling church kids like myself. Thanks for joining me on today's episode. May 24, 2007. That was the day that my dad became a pastor. And up to this point, I'd been going to church for 10 years, so I considered myself a church kid. But becoming a pastor's kid is a whole other story. And there's nothing that has made me love the church more than being a pastor's kid. But it's also true that nothing has made me feel more disappointed in the church than being a pastor's kid. I know they are both um, contradicting, but both have been true and sometimes in the same space. And as I have faced that disappointment with the church, uh, God has been showing me and teaching me that a shift has to happen in La Iglesia Latina, in the Latino church. Um, Because if if you look at a lot of our churches have lost people from my generation and from younger generations. And I think the church is being called to a shift from caring more about religion to caring more about people. And if you're hearing this, and if you saw the title of the episode, La Iglesia Medio, The Church Hurt Me, and you're feeling uh, resistance or a sense of defensiveness, um, I'm just going to ask that you suspend judgment, listen with curiosity. Um, The next episode is going to be for you and for the church and how to respond to church hurt, but this episode is for those that have been hurt by the church, for those that have said, La Iglesia Medio. And across social media, I've seen a lot of believers posting responses to this phrase, La Iglesia Medio, that lack compassion, lack understanding, really lack a lot of the main attributes of Jesus. And so I wanted to offer my perspective, because if God wants to do something, it's heal his church, heal his children that are hurting. um, And it's... As, as believers, you can't invite people into healing if you're not willing to listen to what's happened with open ears, with curiosity and with compassion. So I want to start first by defining church hurt. What is church hurt? And I feel like the most, um, the clear definition for me that I found on a Google search was from Pastor Emmett Price. Um, he refers to church hurt as the pain inflicted by a religious institution, a pain that distances sufferers from their communities and from God. And that definition, I feel like, is pretty strong. It's pain within a church that leads the sufferer to distance themselves from their communities and from God. And I would probably even say, like, it could be either or. Those that have suffered pain either distance themselves from community or from God. Sometimes it's not both, it's one or the other. Because I know people that have been hurt by the church, but are still at church. Or they're still faithful at church. They're there on Sundays, they're there with the other believers, uh, but they have distanced themselves from God. Or there are those that have stopped going to church. But their love and passion for God is still there. And in the last episode, I talked about disappointment as a foundation for this episode. Because for me, pain and disappointment go hand in hand. It's the pain that sometimes leads to the disappointment. Because you realize there's an expectation that you had that was not met. So I encourage you, if you haven't heard on um, the last episode on Golden Disappointment. Go ahead and check it out. Um, because in order to understand church hurt, it's important to understand just how deep disappointment works in our, in our life. Um, because disappointment is a very uncomfortable emotion because it requires vulnerability. It requires acknowledging and admitting, I had an expectation of another person or of a community, and that expectation wasn't met. And for me personally, I'm very independent. I love being self-sufficient. And so when I realized that I depended on someone else for something, for me, that is vulnerable. Because I put myself out there. I depended on other people. I counted on other people. I set expectations for others that weren't met, which led to disappointment. I know this is something for me as like a PK has been a constant reminder Because as a young adult, and even now as an adult, I've had moments where I have really been struggling. Like, I have been in it, and I have felt alone. And in the midst of of all of that, there have been moments where I've had an, an expectation of my community coming around me, being present with me, you know, suffering with me. And there have been moments where I haven't gotten that, and so I have faced that disappointment. But in order to face that disappointment, I have had to vulnerably confess I depended on other people to show up for me, and they didn't. And so when I have faced that disappointment, I have named that expectation that wasn't met in order for me to heal from it. And so um, if you look at church hurt, in my own words, it would be experiencing that pain and disappointment within the church that leads to a rupture between oneself and others or oneself and God. I know something that I see a lot on social media is believers criticizing people that leave the church because of the hypocrisy that they see in the church, right? And I think for me, leaving the church because you see a lot of hypocrisy feels like a valid reason when you understand what disappointment is. Because they're not just saying um, I'm tired of seeing how so many people are hypocrites. I think behind that there's a story of disappointment that we need to pay attention to. Because the way that I look at it is when somebody says I left the church because of the hypocrisy, what I am hearing is somebody that was at the church that had an expectation of the church. They expected the love of Christ. They expected to find the compassion that Jesus modeled for us. They expected to see Jesus and the believers that were gathered in that church. And that expectation wasn't met. They probably got something that was not Jesus. And so when I hear that, I hear that disappointment. They were disappointed because what they expected was jesus and they got something else and that is why they left and for me when i hear that when i truly understand the disappointment for me as a believer i'm heartbroken and it drives in me a desire to be um, an example of jesus an example of god's love to others um so that we can end that narrative. And instead of pointing fingers to the people that are leaving because of the hypocrisy, we point towards ourselves and say, hey, we need change. And I don't believe that God is intimidated or offended when we say that we've been hurt in the church or that we've been disappointed with the church. He's not intimidated by that. That doesn't scare him. That doesn't offend him. In fact, he wants us to invite him into it so that he can be there with us and help us walk towards healing because i think the most important thing for us to remember is that when we're facing disappointment what matters most is what we do with that disappointment and so in this episode i want to be able to give advice or some sense of guidance to those that have been hurt in the church now there's plenty of people out there on social media that are giving plenty of advice on what to do. And it usually looks like, leave your church, leave this, talk to that, do this, do that. And a lot of it is focused on that external behavior. But I think what I wanna present is, what do we do internally when we've been hurt in the church? How do we face that disappointment? And so what I share, I'm speaking about it in the context of church hurt, but I think it can be used in a lot of different kinds of disappointments that we face in our life. So for me, the biggest piece of advice that I would give somebody who is facing disappointment is to make space to grieve. Grieving is what's going to help us get through disappointment. And I know grief is usually tied to loss or death of a loved one, but I think grief is far bigger than that. I think um, grief goes beyond loss through death. I think grief, grief also embodies loss that we experience, whether it's lost loss of relationships or loss of trust. Or grief can also be um, grieving something that you never had, that you longed for. And for me, what grief does, it gives a voice to pain and disappointment. Like it's not just this feeling that you have, like you give it a voice and you allow it to share a story. So I'm going to share two ways on how you can grieve. For me, they feel practical, but I know um, that's because I'm, I'm someone that I'm, I've had a lot of practice like learning about my emotions and learning how to manage them and also learning how to heal from them. And if you're not someone that is used to that, it, might be, it may not sound practical, but I hope that it can be. Um, And the first thing would be give yourself time to feel the emotions that come with pain and disappointment before the Lord. So thinking about the pain or disappointment that you've experienced, there are other emotions that come with that, right? So for me, it's usually sorrow, usually sadness. And I know for others, it might be anger or frustration, but I'm definitely someone who experiences a lot of sorrow. And so before I got married, when I was single, the way that I used to do this when I had more time was I would go out to a nature trail and I would go on a walk and I would sort of prepare my mind and I would start thinking about whatever situation had brought disappointment to me. And then I'd come to a place where I felt comfortable and that's when I would really start talking to God. I would talk it out with him and I'd say, hey God, this happened to me, this is what I felt. And then if like that sorrow started bubbling up, I would allow myself to cry or I would just allow myself to feel that that sadness, however, it was bubbling up. Um, and Of course, now I, I'm a mom and don't have as much time to go out for walks. Um, but what I do, and this is going to sound really emo, but I just curl, curl up on my bed. I tell my husband I need some time. And I just go and I cry and I let it out. And I just like cry and I, I let it out. Um, and this may seem hard for those that... Are used to at this point numbing their emotions. One thing I want you to understand is in order for you to grieve, like truly grieve, you have to feel your emotions. You can't numb your emotions. I know that's hard because for many, numbing is a protective mechanism. It's a coping mechanism. It's a way that you feel safe because you don't have to feel that pain and that disappointment. Or it's a way that helps you get through you know, every day. But the, really the only way for you to go through disappointment, to get through it, is to go through it. You can't walk around disappointment. You can't find a way around that. You have to walk through it in order to heal from it. But I would say the second practical way of grieving is sharing your story um, with someone who can listen to you well and listen compassionately. And so it often happens when you've been hurt by the church and, you know, you talk to somebody about what happened to you. Um, sadly, there's often a priority to correct others before listening compassionately to them. So I'm sure that there's plenty of y'all that have shared your story, but what you have gotten in response is some form of correction, like, you know, your disappointment is not valid or... You just need to deal with it or, you know, well, they're this or that, you know, whatever excuse you might have gotten. But it's really important to be able to share your story to somebody who can truly listen to you, give you space to feel whatever emotions that you are feeling, whether it's anger, frustration, sorrow, confusion, whatever it might be. Because when you invite someone into your story to listen to you lovingly and with compassion, Um, it's a way that God also comes into that story with us because the way that God um, heals us, our wounds, and what we've experienced in our story is by really revisiting it, but revisiting it with love, revisiting it with the presence of compassion and of love. And that's why I encourage you to share your story with somebody who can listen compassionately because when you let it out, you're giving it that voice voice you're sharing your story, but the presence of the person that's with you is going to offer you that love and compassion that will bring that healing slowly. And so it can be a friend, it can be a loved one, it can be your spouse, but I know that there's some church hurt that has led to deeper wounds and even trauma that might require speaking to a mental health counselor. So I do want to make that note right there. Like there are some things that are deeper that need to be spoken to with somebody who's been trained to professionally counsel you Um, which is nothing there's nothing wrong with that I just want to know that there's want you to know that sometimes there are needs that come up with the hurt that we've experienced that you know our friends or our loved ones may not be equipped to handle Um, especially because as I have navigated through my disappointment, as I have navigated through my hurt, something that I have learned and realized is that when I uncover that disappointment that I've experienced within a church, I've realized how closely tied it is to wounds I experienced as a child. And that's why it doesn't surprise me when I have heard of people that have been in our churches, and especially in our churches, like a lot of our, you know, Adults and people older than us come from countries where there's poverty and and like war. And a lot of the grown adults in our churches have experienced great adversity growing up. And so, you know, if I think of an adult that never knew the love of a father or whose father abandoned them or whose parents was not able to give them the connection that they needed as a child... When they come to church and they find that connection, they find that love, there's great joy, right? But whenever anything happens that feels like a betrayal, that feels like an abandonment, Um, it doesn't surprise me when that person is hurt by the church and leaves the church because that person, that pain they experience in the church, it feels too close to that wound that they experienced as a child. And I say this really as a heads up because... I believe that God wants to heal us of all of our hurt and our disappointment and our pain. And oftentimes what that looks like is beginning with that surface level pain. And God invites us to go deeper and deeper so that we can be made whole, so that we can be made new in him. And I think what encourages me is seeing how present grieving is in the Bible. I know in one of my episodes um, crying at the altar i talk about how emotions are often not invited in faith settings because especially in our culture like you're not supposed to really show your emotions you're right the the more you repress them the better or whatever reason it may be but grieving is very present in the bible i mean if you open up psalms there's some things in there that are like really like raw that are really deep And that's why I really appreciate David as a psalmist in the Old Testament because he kept it real. He kept it 100. He did not shy away from naming the reality of his experiences and the emotions that they brought. Like people act like God, like David, didn't accuse God of abandoning him. (laughs) And yet David still maintained a heart after God's own heart. Um, david in spanish they say era conforme el corazón de jehová like david legit accused god of a lot of things of abandoning him of forgetting him and yet god still held on to him psalms 13 i'm going to read it for you david says this "O oh lord how long will you forget me forever how long will you look the other way How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? So this was written, it's believed that it was written when David was being persecuted by Saul. You know, Saul was looking to kill him. But I love David's example of grieving because he never held back. He held, he expressed all of his emotions. And what's most important is that he brought it all to God, he knew who to go to with his hardest emotions. And I think for me, what brings me hope is that when David brings you know, all of his emotions, and anguish, pain, disappointment to God, there's always a shift in his words. Because you heard Psalm 13, I just read it to you. This is how it ends. It ends with these verses. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. So every time, in in most of the psalms that you read where David is naming some kind of anguish or disappointment or sorrow, there's usually a shift inside of him. You know, he begins the psalm with despair, but it usually always ends with a note of hope. And I think this says a lot about God that he invites us in all of our ugliest, rawest emotions. He wants you to bring them to him because he knows the power that there is when you enter into his presence with your hardest emotions. Because we see through the example of David that every time he brought his despair to God, he ended with a sense of hope. Because that's what the presence of God does he doesn't God doesn't leave you in a state of despair. He wants you walking away with hope, with a sense of renovation, or with hope for healing and restoration. And I think David's example is one that we should all long for, for there to be a shift in our despair, from despair to hope. Now I know for a lot of us it's not as quick as in, you know, David's poems, like in his Psalms, it's usually like one verse to the next. All good. <laughs> And it's not like that in real life. Like, it usually takes time. Like, usually you might be coming to God in despair for a week, for a month. But at some point, his presence does something powerful and shifts that into hope. And here's where I want to say something important about, you know, handling your church hurt. Is that, you know, it's all in your power what you decide to do, right? Like, I'm sharing with you what I have learned over the years, and you can choose to take what I'm saying today and, and you know, if it's useful to, for, you to, for you to use it, and you can choose to not do anything about it. But I want to lovingly encourage you that whatever disappointment you have faced, to address it. Like, don't just leave it alone and let it fester. Because I think the alternative of you dealing with it is you leaving it unaddressed. And what happens when you live disappointment unaddressed, especially when it comes down to church hurt, is that it leads you to a state of spiritual isolation and a state of endless wandering. And I say that because that is exactly what I'm coming out of. I've been in a season for well over a year where my disappointment was just there. I wasn't doing anything with it. It was like my day and night. Like it was there. I didn't know what, like, what to do next. Like I was ready to just bow out and never come back. And it's because when you have experienced disappointment and when people leave the church because of church hurt, it's usually not the first time that they have been hurt by the church. People don't leave church the first time that they're disappointed. Usually it's time and time and time again that they have been disappointed and hurt until they finally choose to leave the church. And I think when you let that disappointment accumulate, when you let it fester, what happens is that you get to a point where you like explode or you implode, whatever it is, and you feel like this internal collapse, you feel like everything around you—a like sense of like instability, spiritually speaking. You feel like the ground underneath your feet has disappeared, and you're left in the space of, space of like spiritual isolation and wandering. And I know I—I I spent a lot of time on TikTok, on Instagram, reading and feeding my disappointment. I was feeding everything, like my pain. I was feeding it. Um, And what God had to show me was that I was just feeding my disappointment. I was allowing that spiritual isolation and that wandering to be my reality every single day. And what God had to do is he had to um, make me realize that he didn't want me there. He didn't want my wandering to be my forever. He wanted healing and restoration for me. And the thing is that for me, healing and restoration felt harder than just living in a state of isolation because healing and restoration requires that you look at your pain. It requires walking through it and it is a hard, hard work, but it is worth it. And I think about this man, the sick man in Bethesda in John five, where you know there's a pool of water that it was said that an angel visited and once a year, someone was healed. And this man had been sick for 38 years. He'd been there sick for 38 years when Jesus finds him there. And Jesus in John 5, 5 through 8, he asks them, hey, would you like to get well? Would you like to be healed? And the man who's been sick for 38 years say, says, I can't, sir, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. And so what stood out to me was that his reason was, I have no one to put me into the pool. I think this is important for me to point out because when I was in a state of wandering and isolation and dealing with, and like, not really dealing with my disappointment, but just living with it, my mindset was that in order for me to initiate my healing, in order for me to really step into healing, I was expecting this person to come apologize. I was wanting to see this change in the church for me to return. Like I was, I had all these conditions in order for me to step into healing, which had nothing to do with me, but everything to do with other people. I think that's when God really had to convict me and realizing that my healing can't depend on other people. Like I can say, hey, I want this person to change in this area in order for me to forgive them, but uh, God wants something much better for us. God wants to heal us, and he wants to find us where we are. Because I think there is a truth to this, that he couldn't get up for himself. He needed help. That is true. Like He needed help in order for him to reach the pool and be healed. And I think... What's so special about this passage is that Jesus goes to him and finds him where he was. After all the years of waiting, Jesus went to him. And Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. So I think Jesus has this sense of, of compassion and realizing that uh, like we need help to begin healing. And he's ready to do that because jesus doesn't want us living in this space between our pain and disappointment and healing because a lot of us just like to camp out in the middle right like i suffered disappointment i suffered pain and healing is over here but we usually like camp out in the middle but jesus doesn't want that to be our permanent residence he wants to draw us closer to him, to healing, so that we can be free of the pain, so that we can be free of the disappointment, and so that we can encounter his hope and his enduring love for us. And I think what's important to bring to center in all of this is that as I face the disappointment that I have experienced within the church, what God was showing me was that there are things happening in the church that don't align with what he has said and what he has preached. There is, there is a disalignment between what we see in the church and the true gospel of God. And so our disappointment usually um, is true in feeling like it's not the way it's supposed to be you're not supposed to go to church and walk out feeling worse. You're not supposed to go to church and be betrayed by those who are entrusted to share a message of hope. This isn't the way it's supposed to be. And that's what our disappointment is wanting to tell us. And for me, I think when I encountered that message through my disappointment, what I felt was God activating me to be a voice of hope for people that were are going through or went through the same things that I experienced because God wants to activate change in our communities. He doesn't want to see a whole generation lost. He doesn't want people leaving the church out of pain. He wants to create change in the church to end those cycles. And he wants to bring restoration and healing to those who have been hurt. And in the midst of this, I think what God did in my life was that he restored a sense of hope for me He also restored a sense of hope for his church in knowing that God is going to raise up people to be these voices, to activate change in our community so that these cycles of of disappointment, these cycles of pain can end. But he also gave me hope for you because he wants to heal you. He wants to invite you out of wandering and he wants to invite you into his presence and tell you that you are safe to bring your disappointment. You are safe to bring your anger, your sorrow, because he wants to convert and transform that despair into hope. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Be sure to follow me on Instagram at FMSFaith and subscribe to this podcast. Your following and sharing help spread this message of hope and compassion. Gracias y hasta luego.